This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Team you hate playing again? Yeah, uh, yeah I guess fucking auto, I guess. <laughs> We're a team. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Centurion Overtaking Podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. It's Shane, as always. I hope you guys are all practicing safe social distancing and all that fun stuff, you know, wearing masks and taking the precautions that need to be taken. I'm back at work, which... You know, being off for a month, it's my second, it's technically my third week back. I'm super excited. It's been really good. But, you know, wearing masks, washing hands, all that fun stuff. But, you know, it's another episode, a little bit more to talk about. We have the 24-man playoff format that they're talking about, and it's reportedly gaining traction. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I like it because if they settle on a playoff format quicker, we get the draft lottery sooner, and that that's a, that's a whole other episode. Um, not gonna lie, that's going to be a whole other episode because once the draft lottery is done, we find out where. Auto is picking, and if we're going to pick one and three or two and three, um, but I don't know. It's going to be, I just want it to be done. Do I think teams like Chicago and Montreal deserve to be in the playoffs? Not really. Is it fair to tell Florida, Columbus, the Rangers, to to basically suck it up and you're not making the playoffs when there was, you know, 12, 13 games left. I don't think that's fair either. Underwood doesn't have a stake in if the playoff teams are expanded to 24 or if they go down to the like 68 mark and then the 16 teams, eight on each side from the 68 mark, get picked. Underwood doesn't care. Underwood just wants the draft lottery to figure out what the hell happens. I think if Ottawa were to be like, all right, you know, we jump right back into the playoff type situation where there's a plan with the top 24, you know, it it would be better because then they don't have to go back into the season and for whatever reason, San Jose goes on a tear. They go from third last to seventh last and instead of having two top five picks, we have one top, like we have two top 10, which is still pretty good, but but not as good as two top five, obviously. Especially if, you know, if there's a chance to get one and two, that would be mint. But, you know, I just I just want the draft lottery. I want the draft. But I also want a fair draft. I want a draft where you can trade players, trade, you know, picks, give the teams that have conditions those picks and work through it. Because the last thing you want, especially with Ottawa, like we have so many picks, you can't pick everyone. You have a pick of a litter, but you can't, with that many picks over the next like two years, picking that many players, you'd overfill your prospect pool. Some people are going to get, you know, watered out 
It's not beneficial long-term. Could we trade a two seconds and whatnot to for an actual proven NHL player? Probably. Would it be a right-handed defenseman? Probably. But it's, it's also about who we're going to bring back, right? Because that draft has a whole lot of say on who we bring back. If we're picking first, like, I, I've talked about this before, and, you know, we looking at who's on our roster, we obviously have Bobby Ryan, Colin White, Brady Kachuk, and Anisimov as our forwards under NHL contract next year. So, you know, that's four out of the, I'd say 13, because we had, like, you have that 13th forward that usually sits in the box. And then if you look on defense, we've signed Zub. We have Zaitsev, Christian Willanen, and Mike Riley. We have five. So technically, we have one spot open as our sixth defenseman because Willanen is probably going to move up to that second left left, uh, defense spot. So you have that one right defense spot. You trade for a right defenseman. Okay, you have that. Traded defenseman and D'Angelo. Use him for for namesake. So we have D'Angelo, and then you have two and three on that right side between Zub and Zaitsev. Let them play it out in camp. I know the plan is for Zub to play with Shabbat. From my understanding, is that that's where they're going to try him. No guarantee if it works out as always. The other question is, do they give up on Brandstrom playing on his left side and allow him to play on the right with a guy like Willannon? Who knows? They could. They couldn't. That's a different discussion. So, you know, we have one, most likely one roster spot open to technically we're going to do seven. So we have two roster spots open for defense. Our goaltending set with Nielsen and Hogberg. And then if Nielsen's not healthy, we have Decord. If we re-sign him, which I'd be shocked if we didn't. So we have two forward, two defense, our goalie set. And then we have our forwards, which right now have nine positions available. And then you look at guys like... Connor Brown, Chris Tierney, and Anthony Duclair, those guys are going to get re-signed. So you add those to the four, you got seven out of the 13, you got six roster spots left. You know, Nick Paul's most likely going to get re-signed, most likely going to see Rudolph Balser. So you can bring those two back, you're at nine, you have four. You know, Chase Howerluck was fantastic down the stretch, so he's probably going to come back. You know, probably it's one year deal. You probably trade him at the deadline or whatever. He's a low, low risk, high reward kind of guy. So, you know, you add him. There's ten, so you have three spots. And you know, you there's a chance. You know, uh, Sabrin can get get brought back. You have Michael Pekka. You know, there there is some positions that could be filled, but let's say we draft first. Lafreniere is a bona fide day one starter. So let's say we put in Lafreniere. That's two roster spots open on forward. Uh, you're most likely going to see Norris and Branstrom, or uh, Batherson, I mean, come up. 
there's argument that Logan Brown could make the move. And if that's the case, you know. So we have a max three positions open, in my opinion. Is that we have like three positions uh, to replace uh, Sabrin, Pekka, and Bodker. You're most likely going to see Logan Brown, Josh Norris, and Batherson. Uh, with the potential of, you know, whoever we pick first. I, I highly doubt if it's anyone but Lafreniere, they actually make they actually make the jump to the NHL next year. So that makes things interesting. And then you have to think about, you know, the future of the team. Because, you know, let's say you only sign yeah, Howard Luck, uh Paul to, to one-year deals. They don't really work out. You also have to think of guys like Formentin, Abramov in the minors. You know, we have Gruden, Pinto. There's a lot of variables right now. And people are like, oh, we need to sign this person. Oh, and we also have Tierney. I totally forgot about Tierney. Tierney has to come back. So, okay, you have, man, my, my, my calculations are so off. So if you're listening to this, thank you for sticking with me. So we have Tierney. Duclair and Brown most likely going to get signed. Uh, have Nick Paul, Howerluck are also being bracked. So we have nine. So we have four there. You're probably going to have Balsers. So there's three. Still three. So maybe I didn't miss Tierney. I just remembered him randomly. So we have three. Technically, if we draft Lafreniere, we have two. Technically. You know, obviously trades can happen. We maybe move uh, Nisimov. That's also a thing we can do. Package a second-round pick with a Nisimov, move him at the draft. I don't know. I'm just saying it could happen. If that's the case, that's great. If not, whatever. He was good when we had him, when he was healthy. But on a serious note, and I know I said that Hogberg and Nielsen are the tandem going forward, but what if, just what if, there was a trade on the table for Matt Murray. So we've all seen the whole Matt Murray fiasco to Pittsburgh with the coach and whatnot. So what if there was a trade that involved Nielsen and a second round pick for Murray? You know, he's an RFA. He probably not want to sign. We can give him a bridge deal and let him battle him out with Hogberg. I think that would be... Probably one of the better things we've done. Obviously, it has to fit. I like Nielsen. I think Nielsen can compete for a number one job with Ottawa. But I think, you know, if you also have to look at the fact that he, he's been one of the better goaltenders since he's entered the league. He's won two cups. If you have a chance, and he's 25. He'll be 26, uh, I think, sometime this year. Obviously, I mean, that's how birthdays work. <laughs> um, but I think the fact is, you know, if he wants out of Pittsburgh because he's tired of the fans, which wouldn't be surprising. Uh, so he'll be 26 in May. So, you know, entering his prime, he, he's been in the league for four years uh, career goals against of 2.67, save percentage of 9.14. That's fantastic. I think that's great for for a goaltender. 50 set, 53 losses, 117 wins, 
obviously it's a little bit different because he's played for Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh seems to win even when they have bad goaltending. Um, and I know Yari has had a really good year. So, and both of them are in a phase. And Pittsburgh's in a cap crunch. Could we take advantage of it? Probably. Should we take advantage of it? Definitely. So, since the 2015-16 season, he, he Matt Murray's ranked tied for 15th in wins. But, you know... He, Obviously, you know, it's Pittsburgh, right? So they have quite a few uh, advantages versus some teams. You know, he's had a, he has a pretty decent goals against uh, 914, which, you know, is middle of the pack, but still serviceable. He's, you know, he's ahead behind uh, Carey Price, ahead of Braden Holpe. And Henrik Lundqvist and Vern Lomov and a couple of other starters. So, I don't know. I feel like this guy has a chance to to be a legitimate NHL star. He's also one of the few goalies not to play 200 games uh, in terms of a starter. You know, he, he's 26 in, start, in, in games played. That's not even including starts, actually. If you go on to starts... Uh, he he's still he's twenty fifth with one ninety three, but you know it's you know Peter Mrazek, Jimmy Howard, Corey Schneider, they're all there. I think he's in the middle of the pack goaltender right now, but I think if you're Ottawa, you have to go get him. You know he he has one hundred and seventeen wins, which is fantastic, and I think that's something you have to one hundred seventeen wins in nine hundred. 199 games. The next, like the next closest in that area, is Corey Crawford at 218. Um, you know, everyone who has like close to 300 games played. You know, uh, Braden Holpe, Frederick Anderson, Tuka Rask, uh, Martin Jones, Pekka Rene. Those guys are all too close. Like Martin Jones is at 293. So, like, they're all close to that 300-game mark. And, you know, they're max, like, 70 wins. Not even. 60 wins above Braden Holpe and, like, or above Murray. Like, Braden Holpe has 181 wins. Uh, That's, I believe, about 60 some odd wins off of Matt Murray, if my math is correct. I'm just doing it off the top of my head. I'm not really thinking. But he's also played 90... He, he's almost played 90... He's played 91 game more games. Uh, and he started... Uh, actually, more than that. He started, you know, almost, almost 100 games more than M- Murray. So, it's, it's crazy. He started 95 games more. Than Murray has. So it's interesting to see in that aspect. Again, middle of the pack stats for the games that he's played. 
but unfortunately, he he has two cups, and obviously, you know, playing for Pittsburgh has helped. But damn, change quick subject right here. Andre Vasilevsky has eleven points. Eleven points. He has eleven assists. That's crazy to think. Like he has more points in the last couple of years than you know some players have in their entire career. Um, but to be honest, though, I think I, I'm comfortable going in with Murray or with uh, Hogberg and Nielsen as our one-two punch. I think it'll be great for the team. You know, Hogberg was five eight eight and five eight and eight. Holy crap! Uh, during the season when he was up here, which you know that's pretty freaking good. <laughs> um, so I think he had a. Sorry, I keep getting distracted. Um, but you know, he he's proven to be. A good, solid goaltender. Now, can he take it to the the time of where of being an actual NHL starter? That's still to be determined. Do I think he can do it? One hundred percent. As the team gets better in front of him, he'll be given more opportunity to win outside of what he's been given this year, which isn't quite a lot. Um, there is a reason why he is uh, five, eight and eight because we don't have that good of a team in front of him, but that's besides the point. Um, you know, it's crazy to think that, he didn't have like he didn't play a lot, <laughs> um, but in twenty four games, twenty one starts, he went to over like since he's come in, uh, which was November thirtieth, twenty nineteen. He has the most overtime losses out of every goaltender in the NHL over that pan over that span. Um, you know he's let in seventy goals, but that's just because they're like. Our, our team's atrocious. Obviously, he's no Mackenzie Blackwood. He's no uh, Corpusello or Merzlikens so far, obviously. I think Blackwood is on a different level. But, you know, he kept Ottawa in that game so badly. Like, in, in, there's a lot of games. Okay, yeah, they had leads a lot of the times. But... You know, I think if you look at the product that he did, like he he showed on the the ice when he was playing, like he he should have a better record. If Ottawa was a little bit better on on the ice in front of him, he would probably have a better record. Probably go better goals against. Uh, probably have a better a lot better everything, really. But. That's not the case. It's unfortunate. But, you know, I think if, you know, we look we look at it objectively, 
Hogberg played great. Uh, he's going to continue to play great, and hopefully next year he, he should be given a legitimate chance to show that he can be a number, a, a number one goalie, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, one thing I think that needs to be talked about is uh, Brady Kachuk being second in points with 89, basically nine points behind Shevchenkov in Carolina, but playing eight less games. Darlene is five points behind him. Playing, I mean, that's 84 points as a defenseman on a on a very bad Buffalo team. That's that's impressive. I don't even gonna lie. 71 assists. That's that's pretty hype. I I think they would have been better. I still think that Dallas should have or Buffalo should have drafted Shashnikov to play with Eichel because that would have been a dominant duo. I don't think they needed Darlene, but. You know, so far it's shown early rewards. So that 2018 class, whew, it's ugly. Um, it drops. It drops real bad. So you go from Shefnikov, Kachuk, Dalin, Hughes, and Kakaniemi, uh three. Yeah, you have four, your top four uh, picks. Um, and I believe Quinn was what taught was drafted sixth, seventh. So you have your seventh overall pick and your top four or your top five point getters from that draft class so far. And then it just drops. Uh, you have Joel Farabee at 21. And I think he was a second round pick. Might be wrong. 14th overall. So, you know, it drops. And then it's Zadina at 18, quietly at 18 points. That's pretty good. Almost ha- like in thirty-seven games, it's almost half a point a game. Respectable. <laughs> um, you know, it's better than Kakaniemi and uh, Faraby. So I mean, that's respectable. And then it just drops to Bockvist uh, at thirteen, and Sandin at eight points. Thompson at seven. Lunderstrom at six. Hayden at four. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't, it's Arizona. <laughs> um, got a couple of guys that won. Uh, you have Cot, Coot, Cot. Uh, I have no idea how to pronounce that. Uh, out of Colorado, he was 16th overall. So, you know, he, he, he produced a little bit. Uh, but you have Evan Bouchard. Fair Hervari and Gustafson at one point each. Um, oh, and Liam Foodie out at one point in one game or two games. Yeah, not bad. Sitting at a 50 point pace or 50% uh, pace. That's not bad. But I think the big question is, you know, Oliver Wallstrom. Nine games, zero points. You know, only 19 guys from that draft class have played a game so far. I don't know how how deep this class is going to go. But, you know, at least Kachuk seems to be... Like, if you were to do a redraft, he'd probably go second. You know, I think we've seen it where 
Shevnikov will probably go first to pair up with Eichel. You can make an argument that Darlene, Hughes, and Kachuk could go second to Carolina. I would highly, I would expect Kachuk to go just to kind of get that winger. I don't know what. <laughs> I want to say that, you know, Darlene or Hughes would go to Montreal, but I have no idea what would Montreal do. I don't think anyone saw Kakaniemi going. But I would feel confident with Ottawa getting Hughes. Uh, either Hughes or Darlene. I think that would be the best possible situation for Ottawa, even if it wasn't Kachuk. Uh, if you think about, you know, who... You know, he's a left shot. You know, there's a, a bunch of, of left shot guys here. Uh, like, a lot. Um, the top seven scores from this draft class are left, are left shots. So to think, you know, Quinn Hughes or Darlene with behind Shabbat, and then, you know, you we do trade for, like imagine a, a Swedish line of Darlene and Branstrup. That would be nasty. And, or even, or Darlene, or uh, Branstrup and Hughes. I think that'd be sick. That would be beautiful. Gonna be the best thing, like best defense, offensive defensive core, or offensive defensive defenseman play like group that the league has seen since what Pronger and Niedermeyer in 07 with the Ducks. I think it's the last time where you saw two relatively offensive defensemen in a in a way play together on the same on the same line occasionally, but. You know, that would be, that'd be intense. I think Ottawa fans would be excited no matter what. If the if we had to choose between Kachuk, Darlene, and Hughes, or between Darlene and Hughes, because Kachuk's gone, I, I, Hughes has put up 56 points in 73 games. He's sitting at a 77-point-per-game, you know, average. Would I think it would drop a little bit? Probably. Would... Kachuk's points per game go up if he was playing in, you know, Vancouver? Probably. Even in Carolina, it'd probably go up. Shefnikov in... Uh, Shefnikov going to Buffalo would be... Oh, I don't even want to think about it. That'd just be goals for days. So... I, I can't believe... That we can look at this job class already and be like, well, we if we redid this, Kachuk and Sheffner, like it's it's already that the the top the top end of the draft has already started to show itself. You know, obviously things can happen between now and like five years, injuries, whatever. But as of right now, if we were to redo this, I feel pretty confident in saying that Shefnikov and Kachuk will go one two. I feel pretty confident thinking that Ottawa would get Either Darlene and Hughes. I think Darlene would be that like it would Darlene or Hughes. I think that'd be fantastic for Ottawa. You can make an argument that uh Kokinemi still gets picked at three because Montreal had this love for a center for no reason. But I think for Ottawa, you have a chance of getting another puck-moving defenseman to pair underneath uh, Shabbat and ha- and then 
you know, if everything follows through where you, you trade Stone for Brandstrom you're, and you have Olanin, you're set. I there, And then you think about the idea of drafting Bernard Docker and having Lassie Thompson. You don't need to draft another defenseman. You're set. That defensive core would be solid. And part of me would think that would be sick. I think like part of me would love to have that. Where if we were to switch just Kachuk for Hughes or Darlene, I'd be happy with that. Obviously, I love Kachuk, and I think Kachuk's, Kachuk is going to be the captain of the Senators. I think he, uh, Shushnikov, when the time is right, might end up being the captain of Carolina. And I'm not a huge fan of giving the C to your best player, but from what I've seen, I might be completely wrong here, the, the team gravitates to him. Uh, and long-term, the only two people, the, there's three guys in that locker room that I think to take over for Jordan Stahl would be Dougie Hamilton, uh, Shefnikov, and Fogel. I think Fogel's a heart and soul kind of guy. I would be okay with giving him the C. Obviously, I don't follow the team very much, so I'm kind of just talking as an outsider. But I can see it happening. I think, you know... <laughs> If it wasn't for Horvat, um, Hughes, so far from what I've seen this season, Hughes could be a leader a leader in that room. He could be a Sammy Sallow of the, the this generation of Canucks. Uh, Darlene is going to be the Christian Erhoff of Buffalo. Shefnikov, he's going to be something else. <laughs> he is something that, you know... Carolina hasn't seen. Kachuk is something Ottawa hasn't really seen from a top-end player. Uh, and I think that's what makes things interesting. I think that's what makes it fun. I think it, it, it's what makes everything so fun to see and watch them play out. So I kind of got off topic here, but I think that was great. Um, that'll be the end of this episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I know it's just a lot hearing me talk. I think next week we're gonna get uh, we're gonna have someone on, and we're most likely gonna talk a little bit about the 2018 draft again. Uh, talk about what could be happening with the CF, with the NHL um, draft and playoff situations and whatnot, and what could happen and what couldn't happen. So again, thank you guys for listening. You can find me at Shane underscore Ryan 97. Uh, since Turian 92, you can follow my other podcast, 13th Man Podcast. I hope you all have a great one. I hope you all stay safe, practice social distancing, you know, wear masks, wash your hands, and we will catch you back here next Monday with a new episode of the Centurion Overtaking Podcast. And I hope we'll have a little bit more news on what's going on. Oh, and a quick snippet before we actually end off. Uh, I know Mal, I know there was an interview with um, Melnick. I haven't been able to look at it all, which is why I haven't talked about it. Uh, it will be discussed next episode when I have a chance to actually look at everything he said. Look at the transcript of what he said, listen to it and whatnot. I'm trying to get my hands on, stuff like that. So we will talk about it. I just don't have enough information to really talk about it right now. Uh, so that should be on next episode. Anyways, guys, have a wonderful one. We will see you on Monday.